In most cemeteries, one can find statuary of angels. Um, perhaps you've observed this yourself. And while they are beautiful and even very comforting to those that are grieving especially, they are fixed and lifeless and very contained in their nature. I've had on my mind the joy of a live nativity and just I want to see one of those. Can you remember ever participating in a live nativity? Raise your hand if you have done that. I have had the opportunity as well. Um, miscast, especially my most recent opportunity was as an angel. I, you know, I, I, uh, you, you have to do what you got to do, but. Uh, as um, the children and the youth and the adults gathered round to be a part of the live nativities that I have participated in or witnessed, it was just such a beautiful thing about the engagement with the story. And so I want to, one year in advance, enlist your help that we would have a beautiful live nativity on the front lawn of our church next year. Um, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I want you to remember my saying this. And I want it to be a beautiful time when we come together and share in the living and breathing experience of Christian community and also the live presence of God in our midst. This photo of a church in California perhaps is a little bit over the top. I don't know that we'll rise to the occasion to do exactly what they have done, but I wanted you to see that the angels are actually on platforms and they are dancing, they are swirling to create the atmosphere of what the shepherds surely experienced as they were being coaxed uh, to the manger in which Jesus lay. Angels, contrary to that statuary that you'll see in cemeteries, angels are anything but inanimate. They are anything but static. They are fully engaged. And in our reading of the scripture, if you've paid attention, you know that when an angel shows up, something is going to happen. Do you remember the story of Abraham and Sarah in their little campsite as they were visited by these strangers, surely these angels that came their way, bearing the news that even in their old age that they would have a son. And do you remember that Sarah found that so entertaining that she was giggling to herself at this preposterous suggestion and was heard by those strangers 
who inquired why she was laughing at the thought of what God might do. Do you remember later when Abraham took this precious son that he had been given, that they had been given, feeling the call of wanting to offer all the very best that he had in the world, even being coaxed in that direction by the voice of God within him, he journeyed up the mountain. And there with Isaac bound upon this altar that he had made, lifted the very knife that was to be plunged through his heart, only but for an angel who intervened and caught him by the forearm and said, no, it doesn't have to be like this. In Daniel, do you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were not about to bow down before a golden image established by Nebuchadnezzar for they only worshipped Yahweh. And when they disobeyed the order of the king, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. But when the king looked into the furnace, do you remember what he saw? He saw not only these three disciples of the living Lord, but he said, I see a fourth. I see a fourth there in the furnace. And then he called for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to come forth. Don't you know this angel was their protector? in that fiery inferno. Do you remember the shepherds? Of course you do during this season of the year when not only they were told by one angel of what was happening and where they needed to go in order to offer their homage before this newborn king, but that the heavens themselves were filled with a multitude of voices. I don't know how big a multitude is, but I grant you, we would not be able to count the number of voices that were singing on that evening. And the angels declared the glory of God, but what else do you do? And who else could offer it better than an angel? And do you remember the story when at the end of Jesus' earthly life, that those who were grieving the most, that had known him the best, those that felt included in the ministry that ended up at the tomb on that Easter morning, first were engaged with the sight of angels there, glistening in their brightness. And do you remember that Jesus, when he gathered his disciples around him at the time of his ascension, that after Jesus rose and left the scene, that there were angels there asking the disciples, why are you waiting here? <laughs> what a remarkable Thing it is to read through the book of Acts 
and see the lively presence of angels who are intervening on behalf of those in dire circumstances, chief of whom, of course, were Peter and Paul, who seemed to have this knack for getting themselves imprisoned. And the angels finding ways through their freeing grace to set them free. Now, you and I, in our analytical, rational minds, let me submit to you that in our efforts to think logically and rationally, that we do ourselves a disservice at a certain point if we allow that kind of thinking to rob us of the mystery into which God wishes to invite us. In this digital world, all images are suspect. Are you aware of that when you look at your computer screen? When you see things there, you better ask the question, is this real or is this not real? And sometimes you just can't tell. I had a precious friend share with me not too very long ago. She, she shared with me a picture that she had. She said, I want you to just look at this. She said, there's no explanation for it, no explanation at all. She said, I was there when this happened. I was there when this photograph was made. I didn't make the photograph, but I was there with two friends of mine and the one friend made a picture of the other friend who was standing in the edge of a field of grain. And she said, I want you to just look at this picture. Do you see that arm? And there was an arm that was lifted up as if an arm of praise that came out of that field from who knows where. She said, I went to the owner of that house nearest by and asked the question, was somebody playing a trick on us? And the owner said, there was no one else here but me. No, no one else here but me. Now, I want to tell you that I am still very skeptical in my heart in one way about all of this. But she said, I inquired of everybody that day for some explanation. I mean, it's amazing what Photoshop can do, right? But she said, I do not believe that this was a retouched photo. Now, I wanna ask you a question. I know some people obsess about angels. Ad nauseum, they obsess about angels. Angels become this idol for them rather than directing their attention toward Jesus and the call upon their lives. They become distracted with watching for angels. But I believe that in our day and age that the affliction of our culture is that most of us pay no mind pay no mind to the idea that there is anything 
that could happen that would be mysterious. We won't allow it in the rationality of our thinking. I ask you the question, are you watching for angels? Not that they are necessarily going to appear when you're looking for them. Because God has a way of sending the spirit and the angels to the places that the spirit and the angels need to be. It's not based on our concept of where they ought to be. But where God believes that they are necessary. It is the mystery of God at work. And yet I believe that we miss many of these appearances simply because we are not paying attention. It is in Hebrews chapter 13, the second verse, that these beautiful words are offered. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, for by doing that, some have entered, entertained angels without knowing it. You know this, don't you? If we will pay attention, I do believe we will see angels among us. When Gabriel came to Mary, he first offered assurance. The words were, the Lord is with you. And he followed that very closely with, do not be afraid. Because fear is common to an encounter with angels. You just ask Zechariah, the father of John the baptizer. When he went into the temple that day, at his point of service, and there at the altar, also encountered this archangel that spoke to him and gave him the message that he was going to bear, the forerunner, he and Elizabeth, his wife, were going to bear the forerunner of this Messiah who was coming. And when he called into question how this could be, <laughs> this angel said, because you called into question this, you'll be mute until it happens. And he walked out truly dumbfounded. And people wondered what had occurred. He was terrified, it says in the scripture. He was terrified to see that angel. And if you remember the shepherd story, it wasn't just a pleasant sight, but they too were terrified at the presence of the angels. To encounter earth is one thing. That can be terrifying at times. You and I are struggling with fear based on the events of 2020. And yet now going into 2021, we wonder, what's it going to be like? But let me tell you something that's even more overwhelming if we allow it to be. And that is our fear that in some way the unexpected of heaven will begin to show itself before us. 
This is why it's so interesting that it does not appear that Mary was fearful. I mean, Luke writes, as he does, sharing that Mary was perplexed and asking the question, how can this be in my situation? How can it be that I would bear a child in my situation? And you know my situation, God. How can it be that I would bear a child? And also asking the question, I'm sure, and what does this mean anyway? The brevity of this story is not going to answer all of those questions for us. But you know the beauty of this puzzle, don't you? And also the horror of this puzzle. For it wasn't lost on this young Jewish girl who lived in a culture that at best would scorn her situation and ostracize her for getting herself in the place that she was. But for those that would push the issue, they had biblical permission to stone her to death. She knew this. She knew this. Oh, what danger the calling of angels might get us into. And Mary responds, of course, in such a beautiful way. She responds, here am I. When I graduated from seminary in 1981, I was as green a preacher as ever there has been that was sent to a church. Had so much to learn and am learning still here even at this point. But when I graduated from seminary, there was somebody out there that knew what they were doing and knew what the beauty of mystery was and knew what the beauty of calling was all about. Dan Schutt wrote a hymn that year that I graduated from seminary. And it was about eight to 10 years later when I became introduced to that hymn when a new hymnal was finally published in the United Methodist Church, I bet you know the hymn, Here I Am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. What a beautiful thought. Here I am, Lord. Taken from these words, a direct quote of Mary. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Trusting God in the uncertainty of the future is what angels are about. They don't come to make faith easy for us. They come in order to call us to rise in our faith to the occasion that we will be the ones now in this culture, in this day and age, we will be the ones who say, 
here am I, Lord. I bet you know that song written by Mark Lowry and put to music by Buddy Green, who is a fellow Georgian, I must say. You know, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? What a beautiful question. Guess what? I've got the answer to that question, Mary, did you know? The answer is no. <laughs> Mary had no idea. Lest you think that in some way God let her in on what was going to happen next and next and next and next. She might surely have backed off or she might have seen so far that it was no act of faith anymore for her because she knew what the end of the story was going to be. But the reality was that Mary had no idea where this story would take her. And the truth is that faith, true faith, invites us into this mystery of God's calling. We usually read over it so quickly we don't give it a thought. But did you hear the words, the very final words that were spoken in the reading of the scripture this morning? Then the angel departed from her. Then the angel departed from her. If Mary were here, I'd have a few questions to ask her. <laughs> when did you tell your parents that you were pregnant? <laughs> did things get tense with Joseph there? <laughs> Was there town gossip as the news began to seep out into the community of Nazareth? Did anyone in Nazareth believe you? Did you ever doubt that an angel had actually appeared to you? Mary, did you ever question your sanity? Mary, did you fear for your life? The appearance of an angel is a calling into mystery. For those who are watching for angels, there was a part of Zechariah that was watching for angels, even though he might not have even known. There was a part of the shepherds who were watching for angels, even though they wouldn't have had the ability to put that into words. Their hearts were inclined toward God. And certainly in Mary, 
this perplexed young girl. She was watching for God and for his messengers. And so what can we learn from Mary? We can learn two things. One is when an angel comes before you, as they will for those who are watching, and the angel says, do not be afraid. He will have your name in that sentence and my name, do not be afraid, Bill. Do not be afraid, Sue. Do not be afraid, Jean. Do not be afraid, Kathy. Do not be afraid, Megan. God will have your name attached to that angel's lips. Do not fear, Mary would say, but trust the calling that you know in your heart. Even though it is greater than what you feel that you could rise to the occasion of, trust that calling from God. And the second thing that we might learn from Mary is simply to say, let it be with me according to your word.